Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. The Money Men Fortnightly Catch Up. I'm Luke Styles, and I'm joined with or by Steve May. Steve, you how are you? Good. I'm, I'm real good. How are you going? Good, mate. Good. It's a very special week this week. Is it? It is. Yes, and you know why? Why? Uh, because it is your four-year anniversary, which I learnt about today. Yes, at Steve May Financial Services. So um, that is a really big deal. Thanks, four mate. Four years. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has. Or, it's or a long like time. A flash. Until we yeah. Look at it. Um, I do appreciate you asking for a cart here watch um, for your four-year anniversary, uh, but you might have to wait a little bit longer yet. That's all right. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. tick a few more years over first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, congratulations on that milestone. Thank you. Well, well done. What are we doing today? Ah, fortnightly catch-up. So we'll quickly, you know, cover the markets as we as we always do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're actually going to dive a little bit deeper in the second half of the episode if we get there on the markets. Um, we are going to cover. Things that annoy us. Mm. Not, not trying to be negative. No. But uh, maybe we can pull some positive financial out of things that, that yeah, annoy financial us. Financial things that annoy us, and maybe we can pull yeah. some positive things out of that. Yep. And then building on that, and I've promised everyone in the last few episodes that I'll have a bit of a debrief on the Berkshire Hathaway annual general meeting, and I've got a few gold nuggets that I've put, nuggets of gold that I've pulled out of um, the, my recent viewing of the five-hour webcast. <laughs> that Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger do. I'm glad you got a couple of nuggets out of it. Yeah. Five hours. Look, I got a few. I didn't... um, I I should have... should have taken more notes. Um, And then, you know, we're going to revisit crypto, um, trying to learn a bit more about it, and then we'll finish off the episode, if we get to it, just talking about the markets a bit more and maybe some of the heightened volatility that's flowing through. Mm -hmm. Um, And try and talk about it from out... You know, some of the... You know, the... Me- mechanics behind it and why we think the, mm-hmm. there might be some movement. So, yeah. Very good. All right. What have the markets been doing the last couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, ASX for the last fortnight. Um, it's moved up a bit today, so we're sitting at about 1%, mm-hmm. uh, neg- negative 1% for the fortnight. Yep. And US is about down uh, down about 2%, so mm-hmm. that's the S&P 500 price there's, indices. Yeah, there's been a lot of... Um, noise and nervousness about inflation and yeah. uh, and that type of thing isn't there so and that's what we'll yeah. talk about and yeah. and and sort of try and address mm-hmm. what do we say every time though it doesn't matter what happens in two week time no. period because you know generally speaking you should be investing in these asset classes and, for the long term and i actually thought about it the other day i, th- I thought what why do we actually even talk about the fortnightly yeah. um market in review and yeah. and then i realized it's just something we've started doing and and we're continuing yeah. and, doing and it i think generally the feedback is that people are reasonably interested in in uh, what's happening you know what the trends are um it's, it's nice to put a number on what's happened over it's the exactly right it's you know yeah. but but mm-hmm. you're saying and i'm and i'm agreeing with you you know in isolation it doesn't mean a lot yeah Property market's still booming a lot mm. uh, by the by the sound of it, and you know, uh, first hand or, or second hand, uh, you know, I was meeting with some people the other day, and I last met with them physically and spoke about their property valuation about seven months ago mm-hmm. or eight months ago, and their realistic expectation of the value of their property was about one point eight million. 
so this is a reasonably inner mm. inner city suburb mm. of Newcastle. So 1.8 million was the reasonable expectation back then. What do you think they just sold that property for? <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to know. 2.55. You're so, kidding. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, it's a it's a tightly held um, suburb. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, close to the beach and yep. um, and quite desirable in, in you know in local terms. Mm. But yeah, that was. Um, but in percentage and absolute return, like mm. that is massive. Yep, and um, they had set their reserve at auction at two point three. Okay. So they've uh, got two fifty grand over over and above that even. So, yep. um, but that seems to be the trend across most markets at the moment. Uh, so money's cheap. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, people are picking up um, finance money at a couple of percent, mm-hmm. um, and there's a fair bit of money floating around in the economy yep. as we've spoken before. So, sort of what's happening. Good time to sell. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, depending on what the purpose of the of, of the purchase yep. is, you know, it's it's probably not a bad time to buy either. It's yep. never a bad time to buy if the time's right for you. Yeah, that's Maybe exactly not. right. Mm-hmm. We probably probably in a future episode we might actually sit down and drill down the actual return numbers for the residential property market as best we can because mm-hmm. it because it it is a very difficult number to crack down. But I think you and I were talking off mm-hmm. off air um, a couple of days ago um, uh, around the fact that. The returns in the residential property market and local market, for that matter, has actually been reasonably co- close to the average long-term returns, anyway. Mm, so, mm, so it's just interesting, you know. Maybe sit down and um, have a closer look at the numbers. Yeah, we probably get one of our um, property friends to pull some, you know, property data. Um, yeah. From long-term, you know, median sales and that sort yeah. of stuff. So yeah, we'll mark that down, Luke. We'll I will. do that for a future episode. It's marked, Steve. There you go. Well, well done. <laughs> Just pretended to mark that because he didn't do it for real. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Caught. Okay. Right, let's now talk about things that annoy us. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Why not? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Rather than just be positive all the time, let's talk, talk about things that annoy us. Cool. I, listen, I've got a, I've got a few. And we're talking about financial things, things in the industry okay. that yeah, may, maybe, you know, not things that just annoy us generally. Like lots of things annoy us. I think, you know. It annoys me when traffic lights turn red when you're in a hurry. Um, but we're not talking about that sort of no, stuff. No, we're not. Um, talking about the financial world. And, yep. and some of this may not be at the top of everyone's mind, mm-hmm. but it's at the top of mine um, because I live it and, and Absolutely. Of it. But let's have a chat about them and see where that leads us um, in cool. regard to some conversation. So first of all, one of the ones that annoys me in, there, in, this, um, in this world of ours, finance world, is the old... Compare the pair superannuation campaign. Yes. Now, why would that annoy me? Do you think? <laughs> I, I dare say it annoys you, Steve, because it 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 probably doesn't really compare the pair. Correct. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't really compare apples with apples, or oranges yep. with oranges, and um, and I, that so straight me. off the bat, the <laughs> yeah. you know they've they've, they've yeah, wound you up. To some, to some extent, it's you know misleading. Yeah, there's a lot of fine print, you know, yep. and, and and whatever on the ads, etc. Mm-hmm. And no one ever reads a fine print because it's too small. Yeah. But, um, but for instance, and you wouldn't have the time to read the fine print on the you, ad. You wouldn't. Um, you wouldn't have the um, energy or even the inclination mm-hmm. to do it. But but you have. I have to an extent. <laughs> um, so first of all, you've got to compare like for like, don't you? But. The whole premise of the campaign is that they're comparing, they're, they're claiming to compare the average industry super fund yep. to the average retail or bank-owned 
super fun. For which you've correctly pointed out, there is no average one. Well, there's no such thing as an average. Yeah, there's a, you, you can't go and buy the average fund, no, buy you, into it. You can't ring up and say, I want to um, invest in the average superannuation yeah, fund. The average industry superannuation yeah. fund, which, based on the numbers, should outperform the average retail fund, which neither of them exist. Mm, that's correct. So that's number one. Yep. So there'll be industry funds that perform better than. Um, bank-owned or retail funds, yep. and there'll be industry funds that perform more poorly than some bank-owned or institutionally-owned yeah, funds. Yeah. Yep. Then the other thing that gets uh, I, you know, my goat on this mm-hmm. is that they're only comparing 15 industry funds mm-hmm. against 172 retail funds. Yep. And amongst those retail or bank-owned, as they term them, uh, yeah, the retail terminology. funds, yes. Uh, funds that don't even exist anymore. Well, sorry, that exist but are no longer able to be um, except contributions. Except yeah, contributions. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty important distinction because mm-hmm. if you've got a fund there that you're comparing to and the, and you, the, can't. And you can't actually contribute into it, mm-hmm. um, it's not really a fair comparison. So it's, to me, it's a little bit like cherry picking. They picked out the 15 industry funds that have chosen to dig into their pockets and contribute to the advertising mm-hmm. campaign, mm-hmm. they're probably not going to contribute to the advertising campaign if they're a, a poor or very bad industry fund as far as performance goes yep. because they want their numbers to look good. Or they're probably not going to contribute to the advertising campaign if it doesn't make their proposition mm-hmm. look better than the mm-hmm. competition. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Something like that. Um, so, yeah, the fifth, it's arguably, you, you wouldn't really know, but arguably, arguably 15 of the best industry yeah, funds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comparing themselves to um, all of the retail funds, including mm. the worst ones that don't even accept contributions. Yep. So that's, that's one part of it. Yeah. Then what are they actually comparing when they're comparing? Um, which investment option, mm-hmm. what 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 level of uh, or mix of assets are the funds investing in. Yeah. And that's very grey. And that's important itself. because, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a fund that is very defensive and holding cash, it's going to have a lower, potentially long-term, lower um, trailing return as it stands at the moment compared to something that has been more invested in the market and held equity-style investments or, you know, yeah. shares and growth assets. And it follows reasonably simply from that that if... One fund has eighty percent of its assets exposed to share market, share mm-hmm. property markets, mm-hmm. for instance, and another fund has only seventy percent. Mm-hmm. What have growth markets been doing over the last ten or fifteen years? They've been growing. They, they have grown. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the more and they've growth, outstripped the defensive. Yeah. Yep. So the more growth assets held, the better the performance will naturally yep. be. Okay. The issue I have with some of this is that um, sometimes assets that are considered to be defensive by the fund mm. are in fact both. Yep. Um, so it sort of misrepresents. Probably won't go into that too much, but mm. the point it brings out for me is that when you are looking at investing in anything, you, know, yep. you have to look at what the asset allocation is mm-hmm. and what you're actually investing in. Yep. Um, and when, when you're comparing it to some something else, compare the same. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it seems obvious and, and you would think yeah. as an unsuspecting listener to that ad that the that it is being compared on that basis and, yeah, well, and yeah, that's why it's being presented well that's um, the way it's being presented mm-hmm. and and i think i think well i don't think we know for a fact that that's not fact mm, yeah 
And we know, we know for a fact that um, if you take your time and you research and you um, invest according to your own needs, you can achieve better returns than some industry funds mm-hmm. um, at lower cost. Yep. Um, but then that may not always be the best solution for you either. You may need something that's a bit more com- complex or, or, or be, na- be able to be tailored to your needs, yep. which may be a tiny bit more expensive but helps you achieve an outcome. That's exactly right. So it's not all about performance mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it's yeah. also important to, to be really conscious of what's being put in front of you. Mm, yeah, and make sure that there's transparency. So in anything that you invest in, you know, make mm. sure that you have some understanding of exactly what is being invested in. Yep. Um, so anyway. I think transparency is a key word for mm. us. Mm. Transparency, yes, it's very important. Especially in investing. So we'll, we'll leave that one alone. But right. I, I am very annoyed by the Compare the Pair campaign. <laughs> there you go. What have we got now? I've got another one. Financial, Financial services. services regulation. Mm. What does that mean, our listeners may ask. Yeah. Um, well, so we probably ask ourselves the same question yeah, sometimes. We do. <laughs> Plenty of people have probably heard about the Royal Commission that yeah, was running, what, two, nearly three, probably three years ago now. Uh, 2017, I think yeah, it kicked Royal, off. Royal Commission into the banking yep. industry. And that, um, that grabbed as part of it the fact that um, financial services or financial planning was being um, provided as yep. part of that industry. Um, and as a result of the, the Royal Commission and the recommendations that came out of that, the government has decided to you know, act on you know, the majority of the, the recommendations mm-hmm. um, coming from that in regard to financial planning. Um, and what has that done to the industry? A whole heap of red tape. Mm-hmm. whole heap of red tape. It's to the point where it's becoming very difficult to cost-effectively provide advice mm-hmm to those who are just perhaps starting out on their financial planning journey. Yep. So, um, and people may not be aware, but even if I was to suggest to a client to change super funds, seems like it's such a simple thing, mm-hmm. and make contributions to the new super fund, mm-hmm. what, how many pages would you estimate my statement of advice would end up needing to be? 65. Yeah. Yeah, so 65 pages of stuff um, to recommend a very simple change yeah. in circumstances. And justify why it's mm-hmm. being done. Yeah. Um, so replacement yeah. tables but, and be, fee be, tables. Bearing in mind, whenever mm-hmm. a, and this is le- legislated now, whenever a financial advisor provides advice, the advice has to be in your best interest. So if the advice is being issued, it just default has to put you in a better Sorry. position. Yeah. So... It kind of begs the question why this additional document is then provided in 65-page, you know, format to then re-justify why you're doing something. If the assumption, not even the assumption, if the requirement is that you've had to put the client in a better position following your advice, Hmm. uh, why, why, what is this additional, you know, document's purpose Hmm. in this process? To me, it... To me, it's a, a bit of a relic of the past. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I think so too. But we're stuck with it at the moment. We are, um, yeah. And what's happened is that um, licensees, what we call dealer groups in our world, but the license holders of, of, that are uh, authorised, I license to give advice, they're trying to they try to protect themselves by build, building these documents out with lots of you know disclosure, disclosure and, and disclaimers and tables and mm. 
comparisons to, you know, to the nth degree. But my view is that that's more confusing to the average client mm. than um, than it would be helping them. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, so it kind of potentially defeats the purpose of the document anyway. Yeah. Um, it defeats the purpose, I think, of um, of what the yeah, financial planning industry is all about, which is that we 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 want to help people. Mm. You know, so we don't want to have to be discriminatory around pricing or or, or price people yeah. in the market. Well, who we can help, yeah, because of the fact that we have to develop a 65, 80 page document yep. every time we give yep. advice. Um, and I think you know most consumers, most most people who are looking to potentially get advice, they don't understand that we have to do all this stuff in yeah. the background. Yeah. Um, it, and, and I would think very reasonably if I wasn't in the industry that I'd come to Luke mm. to get some advice mm. about you know, my superannuation or investing some of my money yeah. that you know, we have an hour or two or three conversations and meetings mm. and um, Luke uh, gives me the paperwork and away mm. we go and mm. Luke knows what he's doing and um, I'm going to be better, get put in a better position yeah. and it's easy. Yeah. But they don't see what has to go on behind the scenes. Yeah, that, and that's exactly right. And, and you know, it's often related back to, you know, you potentially approaching a builder and getting them to build you something. Um, and as part of the quote, they've got to consider that the design is perfect, um, that there isn't a cheaper solution that fits the bill. Um, yeah, and, yeah that, that's right. So we, we, as part of our deliberations, have to formulate alternative strategies yeah. right, to the one that we recommend. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, but the builder analogy, so he would have to develop a set of plans um, for a building that you don't want mm. to justify... Why the one that you're doing yeah. is the right thing for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's a little bit ironic um, in some respects and, you know, and it's lost, unfortunately, in all this regulation that the, the client and the end user or consumer is the loser in this mm. um, in, in a lot of respects. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so we're trying to make it our mission to you know, keep keep things affordable yep. and uh, and streamlined and uncomplicated. It's part of the but, business yeah, mantra. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's becoming harder and harder, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, that's the other another thing that annoys me. We'll move off that. Um, <laughs> so there's a little silver lining there. We're still trying to keep up the fight well, and and and, and keep are. advice accessible. We are, and hopefully the government in its various forms sees yeah. see some logic yeah. you know, at some stage in the next 10 years yeah. and um, and sort of eases the burden somewhat so that you know, good people who aren't conflicted by product mm-hmm. sales um, can just get on yeah. with, the, with the good good job of yeah. giving advice. And that's, and, and that's exactly yeah, right. I think the, re- the rules are a throwback to the old world of um, um, you know, financial advisors selling conflicted products. Yep. So, you know, they, they're getting a cut. Yeah, vertically integrated yeah. into the product that they're yeah. selling you. And that that is all, all, all but disappeared. They're still floating around the edges. It is, um, yes. Um, and it's a bad thing, I think. I don't think that um, financial planners should be aligned with yep. product providers at all. Yep. Um, and no man can serve two masters. And, no. that, and that's kind of the, the, the mm. premise behind that, mm. you know. Yeah. So there's a tip there for anyone seeking financial advice is um, just ask that question. Do you, are you aligned? Do you have any um, allegiance at all through in any form mm. to the products that you recommend? Mm. Okay, move on from that. I could rant about that all day. Yeah, well, um, we're going to go down a rabbit hole. Life insurance. Yeah, life insurance. Mm, sorry, thing, I just actually. yelled yeah. that out. Yeah. Life, <laughs> life insurance is a good thing. Uh, life, income insurance, total permanent disability, yep. trauma. But don't get me yep. wrong, it's... It's good. Most people 
should be considering having mm. some form if they don't already. But, but what's happening recently um, is that it's becoming very costly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the insurance companies are um, increasing premiums dramatically, not just for new new potential in, business, in but for policies. policies. Yep. So policies that are already in force. We've seen in some cases recently where the insurance companies have increased premiums by 30 40% across mm-hmm. the board. I'm just going to turn that air conditioner down because mm-hmm. I'm getting hot. Yeah. But maybe you can explain um, why why they're doing that. Yeah, sure thing. So there's a couple of couple of layers uh, going on here. First and foremost, uh, when they've taken on the risk of these policies and originally underwrote them, they haven't necessarily um, assessed the risk accurately. So claims are increasing, and as a result, what they thought was going to claim or wasn't going to claim for that matter has come back and claimed. So so there's this big payout that's occurring, and they haven't been able to appropriately price that risk, you know, 10, 15, 20 years earlier. So who bears the brunt? New entrants and existing policyholders through increased premium prices. So that so that's the first layer, and and it's no secret these insur- a lot of insurers have over the years actually been trying to outcompete each other, provide a new style of product and type of products. Which you know, if your competitor's doing it, I better make sure I'm doing it. And this is actually create you know been in some respects they're undoing mm. because they've built up all these policies, not assess the risk with all these you know really good features and then people have started actually utilizing these really good features mm. and you know payouts are exceeding yep. you know in effect what their their profits are on premium the, the other layer there that people need to be really conscious of is insurers what they do with your premium is actually invested so you or i pay a premium goes into what's known as the the float and that float by the insurer is actually invested so they'll go and invest that, and they've got some strict regulations around what they can and cannot invest that money in. So I go and pay a premium, Steve pays a premium, and the listener pays a premium. And, you know, one of us is probably likely to claim on that policy. Um, but over the years, the, the value of those premiums have sat and been invested by the insurer in that float, and they've been able to earn, you know, a profit on that as I said, it's very regulated and restrictive. So what that means is is that a lot of it has had to be held in cash form, you know, term deposit style assets, defensive assets, you know, bonds, yeah. fixed interest. What's been happening to fixed interest, you know, in term deposit style assets? Everyone out there is probably aware that, you know, you get diddly squat on your savings and that's also translated in the big end of, you know, business. That you know, the same is also happening for them. So... Yeah. They're losing. They're not losing money. They're making a lot less money on the float. So all these things have compounded and translated into increased premiums. Yep. Um, so again, we could I could spend ages on this, but um, suffice to say, you should be reviewing your insurance premiums regularly. Mm. Not necessarily to find a better deal elsewhere, but mm-hmm. to just make sure that your insurance still meets your needs, that you don't need to de- decrease it or, or you know or, or adjust it. Yep. Um, there may come a point where you can't afford the premiums, yep. and you know, at that point in time, then you know, there's some big decisions to make. But um, I think I think the the message here is 
there are increases. Um, it is a... It's unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate. It's a fairly... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a very... Um, what everyone looking for. It's not. A, it's, <laughs> it's an inefficient industry, you know, yeah. in, in regard to the way that you know, their, their systems and, uh, and, and things work. Um, but anyway, what I'm saying is, um, yeah, just take the opportunity regularly to review. Yeah. Um, doesn't, yeah, you can't always get a better policy. And if mm. you do get a better, better or, or better price policy somewhere else, it might, do, it might, it might not be better next year. Gee, um, that's exactly right. Um, and, that, and that needs to be highlighted. Mm. And, and, and so, you know, a real consequence of this low interest rate environment that everyone seems to be going, yay, low interest rates, low interest rates. Every single insurance policy that you have, car, life, you know, home and content, as a consequence of those insurers earning less money on that float, which is all the premiums that you pay and they go and invest it, they're going to translate those lower earnings as increased premiums to make sure that they retain, remain as profitable as possible mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, stay afloat. Yeah, they are businesses. Don't insurance companies, are. Eh? <laughs> but having said that, insurance, insurance is a very important thing to have. So don't, it is, yeah, yeah, it don't, is. Don't think I'm saying don't have it but just be aware that yeah, there are the, reasons behind the, premium increases and you should be reviewing what you've got and it's a thing that annoys us it is it does annoy us <laughs> we've spent so much much time on annoying stuff that um we're gonna have an ad break now yep. before we move, move on, on to, to the next section the next cool. section all right okay. we'll be back in a minute bye Steve May Financial Services, we know how daunting the idea of seeing a financial planner can be. Bearing your financial soul to a person you don't even know doesn't sound like fun, does it? That's why we believe in being approachable and being ourselves. Our mission is to provide uncomplicated, affordable and personalised financial advice to those who normally wouldn't get it. Contact us for a friendly, no-pressure consultation to get your financial stuff sorted. Steve May Financial Services, www stevemayfs.com.au Welcome back to The Money Men. G'day Luke. Second half. It's good uh, to enjoy a quick beer with you for your four-year anniversary. Thank you, mate. Yeah. Your suggestion, not mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you for um, transferring the risk to me then. <laughs> yeah. um, what are we on to now? Um, Warren Buffett, you, yeah. you, you sat through your five-hour um, I did, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I did. Um, and it was it, it was inspiring. <laughs> I'm actually going to include a... I'll include a link to the YouTube um telecast as well in, in the show notes um you know we've spoken about warren buffett a fair bit berkshire hathaway and we spoke about the letter to shareholders uh, that he did i think in march and we covered a few subjects in there but he also did the annual general meeting um for the for the wider business so you know he he again you know will feel questions Mm-hmm. Uh, by shareholders and you know the general public and try and answer them as best as possible. But he'll, he'll usually go on tangents <laughs> similar to what we, we, we did yeah. earlier. Um, and you know that's when you can uncover some of these you know as I said nuggets of gold. Um, raising the issue, not the issue, talking about you know trying to outperform and pick a new winner and you know find the next best thing he 
got a great analogy that I thought, you know, just has just stuck, actually stuck with me. And I never wrote it down, but I remembered it. Um, and, and I'm going to quote him here. Mm-hmm. Picking winners in 1903. So nearly, not, nearly 2,000 car companies existed. Nearly all of them failed, even though the motor vehicle has transformed humanity. And then he goes on to say, there's a lot more to picking stocks than figuring out what will be an incredible industry in the future. So how how succinct is that? So just because you think that um, medical technology will, you know, be the boon industry over Mm. the next 20 years, Mm. you actually have, you'd have to pick the stock. The, the company that actually wins that battle, uh, and that's exactly that, that right. Yeah, 100%. And mm. he's just he's totally highlighting that you can you can look at some field of technology, whether it be you know this touted big Bitcoin mm. um, well, blockchain other, technology, yeah. or well, the, the other one or Afterpay, up. or yeah, um, the other one that's been popular is you know, lithium. You know, people say, yep. I want to invest, invest in lithium. Exactly right. Yes, what does that mean? Yep. You know, if you're going to invest in lithium, yep. what are you investing in? Yep. What, what and, and, and can we just boil that down as well? Um, you think about you, the conversation of lithium. Well, the reality is there's only two large players in the resource environment as far as, well, it's probably three players. It's Rio, BHP, and I think Vale in, in Brazil in terms of iron ore. Like iron ore is an extremely significant material, you know, important material, so, and it might have the same, might be on the same level as lithium one day. Mm. There's three major players. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. that's that's what happens to these really important resources that humanity requires to develop. Is that it sort kind of ends up that you know the biggest and the Style. best beast mm. wins, mm. and so you know it's kind of. You know, idiotic to think that you can go out and say, "Hey, the industry might look really good. The prospects of the industry might look awesome, mm. and I'm going to go and buy, you know, X, Y, Z because yeah. they're exposed to it." Yeah. When you know Warren's saying, "Well, 2,000 car companies in 1903. There's hardly any in in you know America now. There might be three or four mm. large yeah. ones." Um, you know, go figure. Yeah. So, what are some other you know examples of that over time? Um, I laugh when I talk to you about this one. So VHS, you know, videos. Mm. Perhaps even some young kids now wouldn't even know what a VHS video like a is. VHS cassette yeah. thing. Cassette thing. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're, they don't they don't they're not used anymore, are they? But back in the day when video was just becoming established mm. as a as a transformational um, form of entertainment, mm. um, there was a competitor um, called Beta. You had VHS videos and you had beta videos, okay. video players right. and videos. Um, VHS won that battle, but video was a great thing, mm-hmm. right? And there would have been other startups that were developing on the fringes, yep. technology. VHS and beta emerged, um, and they still had to be a winner out of those two, and that was VHS. Beta just disappeared. Um, and what happened then, to VHS? Yeah, <laughs> we well, don't even use that anymore. No, well, like, VHS became um, obsolete. obsolete yep. uh, as, um, as you know, online streaming and, and, that, and, yep. and YouTube and that, those, yep. that sort of thing came came through. On the social media space, you know, there was a thing called MySpace once. Mm. Right? So I remember it, um, but I don't really remember what it did. Mm. I know it was some sort of you know, communication, entertainment type 
platforms, probably not um, a lot different to my, uh, Facebook, yeah, you know, in yeah. its current form. Yeah, so MySpace, for whatever reason, didn't end up being the, the dominator, but mm. it was one of the early players. Mm. And, you know, if you had to put all your money into MySpace, then you wouldn't have it anymore. Yeah. You know, so um, it's it's hard to pick specific winners. So, so Warren Buffett basically has said that m- most people would actually be better off just owning, you know, say an S&P 500 index fund yep. or an ASX 200 he fund. Specifically, yeah. He yeah. specifically says that yeah. you'd be better off owning a, a an index fund. Yeah. It's interesting that he says most people, though, because he doesn't do that. Well, he's going to when he's not around. Yeah. And, and, and the yeah. interesting thing is you've got to remember that Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway, they're not an investment stock-picking company. A lot of, lot of people miss... Um, misunderstand that and and he's very quiet on the performance of the underlying shares that Berkshire actually own and he has on some occasions said that the performance between the shareholding portfolio like the actual shares that they own on the S&P 500 hasn't necessarily performed any better or any worse than the S&P 500 itself so remember the Berkshire actually goes and owns big um, uh, controlling ownership stakes in companies and and they're their equity portfolio that they manage um, professionally sits on the side, and and they're quite quiet about the performance of that. So it, yeah. it's just it's just really interesting. But yeah, I, yeah. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so so he's, but he's, yeah, they're not most people. They're you know their their game is finding companies. He's a capital allocator. That, yeah, finding companies that are going to be worth investing in. Yeah, you know, and taking control of. So, He's a capital allocator with a proven record of, yeah. of getting it right. Yeah, so. But the, the reality is that most people haven't got the time or the expertise to make those correct bets. Mm. Um, so owning the best companies mm. in the market is probably the way to go, isn't it? Yeah. So, so in Australia that translates to, you know, you'd be owning CSL and BHP and the banks and... Yeah. Um, you know, Qantas, and, yep. you know, for better or worse at the moment, mm. um, you know, yeah, whatever else is in there, West Farmers, you know, yep. so has a piece of Bunnings and, you know, yeah, L- low-cost low exposure yeah. to to all good companies that operate differently in their in their in their business cycle, depending on when they are. Yep. Like, you know, it, and and that's that's kind of the point that you know he he makes. Um, you know, you don't you don't rely on something that's performing good for a week or a month or a, or a year. You know, you've got to look at things that have strong business prospects, and then on that filter. Is it the right industry and is it the right company? Because even if it's the right industry, mm. you might not have the right company. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, by investing and taking that index style approach where you're just getting exposure to the top sort of companies, we know that um, they know how to run a business in their market. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that generally they're profitable over the long term mm-hmm. and we know that they'll, they'll grow yep. as a result of being um, you know, being if not dominant, um, a major player in the industry. Yeah. Then. And that's a pretty good mantra for investing, isn't it? Yeah. Invest in good quality assets for the long term. Exactly right. Um, and what else happens with the share markets is that, you know, you get income from that. Yeah, so you're investing in something that's real. Mm-hmm. This is going to segue into our next session. Yes. So actually investing into something that is real. You're investing in, in a company yes. um, that is operating and, um, and trading 
uh, is generating income and profits for the owners. For the owners, yep. um, and therefore you share in the growth of the company mm-hmm. and the income that the company um, derives. Yeah, um, that's ex- it's a good sound way to invest. You know, the same thing works with property. Same happens with property. You invest in a property, you get capital growth, and you get the income um, from you know the rent, yep. the tenant. Um, you know, so that's a good way to look at investing. Um, so that might just lead us into our next little section. I think I think yeah. it will, Steve. Which is so what? cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah. Speaking about crypto a lot. Lately. We have so that's so because it's just about every second person or every person um, has got crypto on top of their minds at the moment. Well, you, I mean, was it last week or the week before? You you wanted to have a bit more of a deep dive into it, and I thought, now it's time for me to try and educate myself as well. Um, go? Full disclosure, mm-hmm. I'm I've I've left that education process more more confused. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't really I don't really have any <laughs> nuggets of gold for anyone on that. Um, so but, you, so you like me are not a crypto expert. I'm not a crypto expert. I'm not entirely convinced um and and i'm and as i said i'm left more you know perplexed and puzzled um as to the uh, as to you know why you would use one coin over another coin um now there's a lot of conversation in high you know people who are technically exposed to this around the technology that underlies these coins being very effective and you know potentially being something revolutionary but if you buy the coin, I can't see how you're exposed to the technology. Mm. I, I, I just don't, I, you know, it's like the similar example to Warren Buffett using, mm. you know, saying the motor industry had great prospects for humanity, but if you went and bought, you know, A&A Motors um, in 1903, they don't exist anymore. Mm. Um, and, and you know, like the reality is you, you wouldn't have made anything, but you were exposed to this, you know, prop prosperous yeah, industry, industry. Yeah. so, so I, I guess it just really come, comes down to it are, are you buying the technology and I've, I think we've spoken about this before are you buying the technology when you look at these cryptocurrencies or are you actually buying the cryptocurrency itself to um, potentially benefit in a price increase which as far as I'm concerned is it amounts to gambling and speculation that that's my opinion um, but again as I said I tried to educate myself a bit more I've come out uh, probably more confused. That's probably more of a re- reflection of my intelligence um, than anything else. Well, but yeah, I'm probably more confused than you. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, when when, it, when, it, when you look at it and it boils down to when you, if you're investing in the currency, mm. um, so if you're buying bitcoins, then you're buying a dream. I think is what yeah. it boils down to. You're buying you're buying a dream. Um, and there's lots of press around, you know, the crypto billionaires and you know, those are bought at mm. 0.05 cents mm. and now it's worth whatever and they're you know, rolling in it. Yeah. Um, what are they rolling in, though? Uh, digital um, code. Yeah, they're rolling in, rolling in <laughs> bitcoins. Code. They're rolling in code, aren't they? I, uh, I mean... And I think it would probably be a struggle to sell billions of dollars of bitcoin at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I mean, you know, and it's probably timely and, and works in our favour. The market seems to have, have correct, corrected itself uh, quite dramatically in bitcoin. So, mm. you know, as I said, I don't think that's off anything fundamental. It's just, just the nature of that of that beast and the operators within it. But uh, J- Charlie Munger, who's, who's Warren Buffett's business partner, Partner mm. in the annual general meeting, 
made an interesting comment around cryptocurrency because that question obviously gets asked to them as two of the wealthiest people in the world. And so Charlie goes on to say, and I'm quoting him, I don't welcome a currency that is so useful to kidnappers and extortionists and so forth. He then goes on to say, the whole damn development is disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization. So you, 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 you wean his sort of opinion of cryptocurrency out of it. And, and, you know, it's interesting, some of the points as to why cryptocurrency is effective, he does highlight some of the issues there. You know, the, this, this theoretically invisible, um, you know, decentralized payment system is actually being used by criminals yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah can you explain to me well maybe you can't but maybe i'm struggling Ask the question. what the question is um, so bitcoin has very limited use as in regard to being able to buy anything with it mm-hmm. at the moment i believe yeah so when you buy it and sell it, what are you actually doing? Are you are you selling something concrete and physical, or you're or are you just buying and selling an idea or a dream? What what do you? Think? I, I think you I think you're buying and selling a concept, mm-hmm. and and so you know without understanding it really well, mm-hmm. it's as good as buying and selling a dream. Yeah, so it's a market that is pretty well based on emotion isn't it mm. yeah and well, the more hype and spin that goes around it the well, more that it can be yeah. manipulated and the argument that gets made for bitcoin itself is that there's limited supply which, which actually doesn't stand true because if i can go and open dogecoin that operates under the same um, fundamentals of bitcoin the supply is actually increased um, if they're both doing a similar thing, or very, you know, almost the same thing, or are capable of doing a very similar thing, then the supply is actually infinite. So I don't actually buy into the argument that the that the supply is limited, even though they are limited to 21 million coins. In, they can they can be divided um, infinitely. Yeah, almost infinitely. Yeah, all, yeah. Uh, so. That, I don't know that that washes with me either. But yeah. I guess, I guess you know, my, my thoughts are, and they've always been, if I can't understand mm-hmm. what I'm investing in, mm-hmm. then I won't invest in it. Yeah. And I'm obviously too dumb to understand crypto because mm-hmm. I, don't, I can't get it yet. Right? Yeah. Um, so it just comes back to that investment fundamental only invest in things that you don't understand or you're prepared, you're prepared mm. to lose. All right? So because there's a real chance when investing in these types of things that you can lose all of your money. Yep. And I think that can't be overstated enough. The, yeah, we'll continue to, on the, on the voyage of cryptocurrency, we'll continue to try and educate ourselves. Like, you know, that's our... Mm-hmm. Guarantee to the listeners out there because you know I think it's important that that we do, um, and if we are wrong, we'll we will, you know, we'll make that available. Like we're not going to die on our sword over it, um, but you know things aren't quite stacking up for us. Um, you've been in business for a long time. I I like to think that I listen to people who have been in business a long time, and that's kind of where I'm taking my context from. Yeah. Um, to develop my opinion as well. And you're probably very similar, you know, in that respect. So on crypto, buy everywhere. Um, 
be careful. Try to understand what you're investing in. Yep. Are we have we got time to talk about the share markets? Yeah, we got really about, quickly. About five minutes. Okay. All right. So I think everyone's probably seen the latest, uh, you know, pr- price shocks and volatility going on in the U.S. share market, the Australian share market. And, and if you haven't, you know, it's it's a timely reminder to when you when you log in and see Sydney Morning Herald articles <laughs> that say the Aussie market is down forty one billion dollars in a day. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, and I read this the I think it was yesterday or the day before, and I thought. Your beauty, they're back. <laughs> they're, they're, they're back. Yeah, what, what, what does that even mean? Yeah. yeah. It, well, I, I think it translated into maybe a one and a half percent correction, maybe yeah, two, no, maybe two no. percent correction. But 40, 41 billion sounds way worse than mm. negative one percent, mm. doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, bad news sells. It, so, you know, like just talking about this very quickly, everyone, um, it, it appears that inflation is on the, uh, you know, subjects at the moment, you know, in terms of potential wage inflation. But And, and there's been a lot of asset price inflation. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that that's fairly obvious um, for everyone around. Um, and, and what does that potentially translate into. It means central banks around the world, including the RBA, the Federal Reserve in the United States, Bank of England in the UK and, and you know, the European central banking systems start to or consider or ta- start talking about the prospect of, of centralised interest rates increasing, which means that that translates into more expensive borrowing in an attempt to put a curb on inflation so you don't get this um you know all these asset prices running away and being so expensive no one can afford anything Mm -hmm. um and and you know that that this has been done for you know this is modern modern economic and monetary policy you know being implemented for the last 40 years so this is the game they're playing um and you know the language is that inflation may rear its head and that translates into people being able to get a higher risk-free rate elsewhere as opposed to investing in the share market. And, mm-hmm. and what do I mean by that? If today I can get you know 1% of my term deposit, but tomorrow I can get 1.5% of my term deposit, it won't be exactly like that. It won't be black and white. Um, it means that I'm less likely to consider or have money invested in, you know, equity markets where the prospect of return exceeds that risk-free rate of return. And and that's some, you know, that's a very bare basic concept behind it. But as that transition and shift happens, more people start to sell out of equity holdings yeah. and, and go into the risk-free. Yeah. And, so, and that's for every asset price. So, you know, if you can get, if you can get a cash term deposit rate, say, at 5%, mm then you're less likely to, win, to take the risk to invest in the share market. And get eight, yeah. you know, and get yeah. 7.5% or 8%. Yeah. So, 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 you know, slowly, I mean, we're at the bottom. So, that, and this and this downward um, interest rate environment's been happening for 10, 15, you know, call it over 10 years. Um, so I don't think overnight mm. it's going to translate into anything material, but it's a good reminder for people who shift in and out of markets because that's what you might hear on the nightly media yeah. that you know sh- uh, you know share shareholders are jumping away out of the market and into you know safety of bonds and term deposits when in fact that's just you know a bit of garbage. I I, I think I don't I don't think that that's 
you know it might be happening on a smaller scale but i don't i don't think that's really what's happening in the background um but but it's a reminder if you own a business and inflation is going up as a shareholder of a good quality business, you could potentially protect your downside. And what do I mean by that? The business has the pricing um, power. Mm-hmm. So if their costs are good increase because of inflation, so you know they've got to spend X amount more dollars on flour because you know the price mm-hmm. of flour has gone up, they're going to pass it on to the consumer. Mm-hmm. So at worst case scenario, there's a hedge against inflation. And, you know, if it's a really good business, that it's actually going to be able to outcompete inflation, regardless of what you can go and get, you know, in this risk-free term deposit over, you know, next door. Um, So it's a weird concept. Just wanted to, you know, touch on it. Mm -hmm. And it goes much deeper than that. (laughs) So So, so that's, that's, that's one one conversation piece inflation that's sort of spooking the market at the moment yeah but let's add that to war uh, um, <laughs> uh, pandemics yeah. um, you know any bit of bad news that you can think of yeah that always has an, has an effect yeah um, because uh, you know, investors are emotional yeah um, and it can cause behaviours to alter yeah um, but yeah good, interesting point inflation Definitely is on on the radar at the moment yeah. as far as um, markets go. And and, and and why has it happened? It's because of all this cheap money that's circulating around economies and all this stimulus that governments have pushed and all these tax rebates and and all this is, you know, creating this tidal wave that is increasing and translating into increased asset prices mm-hmm. and almost increasing into you know increased wages but but if they don't get increased wages the problem is if inflation runs away no one actually has the money to pay for these things so so that's really what's on the radar for central banks they don't want this big asset price increase and people not able to afford things anymore because there's no increase in you know real wages in effect um so yeah just something to be aware of if you're an investor do I think if you own good quality companies you should be concerned? No, I don't. I, I really don't. No, and that's stood the test of time, hasn't it? Yep. We are over. Speaking of time, we are out of time. Yep. Um, www.themoneymen.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? There's a Facebook page as well. Yep. Um, yeah, we, we do have a Facebook have, page, too. Um, and uh, make sure you review and ask share. Ask a question. Yeah, ask questions. Share, um, share our uh, content with others. So there you go. That's our right. latest episode. Uh, again, happy anniversary, Luke. It's been thanks, Steve. Great to have you around. Thanks, mate. Um, and we it's been will, great to have you around. We'll, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> and we'll catch up with everyone in the fortnight. See you, everyone. Bye.